another episode of Touch Points. I'm Matthew Carnegie, one of the pastors here at East Point Bible Church, and we are near the end of our All Scripture mini-series, trying to better understand the different parts of the Bible so we can get the most out of studying it in its entirety. This week, we'll be examining what are known as the historic books of the Bible. These are where we get many of the most well-known stories from the Bible, but we often don't know what to do with those stories. So my hope today is to help us to better understand the way narratives are told in Scripture, and then to be able to use that understanding to better be able to find the lessons God would have us to take from them. What we call the historical books in the Bible are the ones running from Joshua through Esther, and we call them that because they consist primarily of historical narratives. However, most other books of the Old Testament contain at least some narrative sections, plus the Gospels and Acts in the New Testament consist of historical narratives too. So it's worth our while to understand how this kind of literature works to better read a huge percentage of our Bibles. To help with this, then, I'd like to relate some helpful principles about the way Hebrew culture treated historical accounts and the way it taught through narratives. So to start, then, when reading history in the Bible, we need to remember a few keys to knowing how it was meant to be taken. First and foremost, we need to know that every one of these sections is written as historical fact, not myth, legend, or fable. It's helpful to see that modern archaeology is constantly finding new evidence to corroborate the accounts in Scripture, but more importantly, Scripture itself attests to the need to take them as historical realities. For example, all of biblical theology falls apart, including the gospel itself, if the narrative of Genesis 1-3 through is not meant to be taken as historical reality, including the facts of God being the creator of everything, God creating a literal Adam from whom the entire race descended, and Adam's fall into sin. More specifically, several biblical statements about the identity of Jesus Christ were rooted in his identity as a descendant of King David and the fulfillment of the covenant God made with that David. But none of that would have been relevant if David had been purely a legend or the covenant merely a myth. These are just a couple quick examples of biblical history that needs to be taken as fact, but the principle applies throughout. That being said, it's also important when reading biblical history to keep in mind that the way history was recounted back then varied from our modern Western notions about how to do so. For example, we shouldn't get hung up on whether or not numbers were quoted exactly because it was perfectly acceptable back then to round numbers when giving amounts in a historical narrative, though sometimes precision was still used when deemed necessary. As a rule of thumb, the more specific a number is, the more likely it is to have been the exact number, but you always want to look at how important the precision is for the context of the narrative at hand. Actually, many people today are shocked to find out as they compare narratives in different sections of scripture that quotes themselves did not need to be completely precise to be considered authentic. We have so much more access to documentary evidence today that we are used to making a big deal out of reproducing exact wording for a, co- for a quotation to be considered authentic. But in their culture, the words may change slightly and still be considered a genuine quotation as long as the integrity of the authorial intent was preserved. I have also found several instances where people have been hung up on figurative language in some historical accounts, but again, as long as intent is considered, we don't need to worry about this. Here's what I mean. 
Some people, rightly considering that God inspired scripture so that it is therefore reliable, see figures of speech that are not literally true used to describe historical events and wonder if that means the Bible cannot be taken literally anymore. Fortunately, it is always obvious what is meant by those, and it's just like when we use similar figures of speech today. For example, when we say today, the sun rose at 6.27 a.m. No one thinks we are lying or ignorant. We just know that's a descriptive and much more efficient way to communicate than saying, the earth rotated far enough for the sun to be visible at 6.27 a.m. Likewise, we don't need to worry about figurative language the Bible uses to describe events that fit the normal way people spoke and leave the intended meaning clear. One last noteworthy feature of biblical history is that Hebrew narratives did not have to be in chronological order. That was certainly the default organization like we would use today, and there are certainly temporal markers like then, after these things, the next day, and so on that indicate definite chronological arrangement. But many times, narratives would be arranged thematically in order to highlight the points being made by the narrative. You see this in Ezra chapter 4, which starts out by describing adversaries hindering the work of rebuilding the temple. But then in verse 6, it skips ahead in time to describe another time adversaries tried to hinder Israel in order to develop this theme further. Once the point is made, it comes back and resumes the original narrative about temple building in verse 24 and on into the next chapter. This type of thematic arrangement is evident on a larger scale in the four Gospels, where you see many of the same events show up in different orders in each one, causing you as the reader to dig deeper and question why certain events are being discussed together by one author, while different ones are grouped together by a different author. They're not differing about when things happened, they're trying to make different points about Jesus' life. This brings me to the other major consideration I mentioned earlier, the way Hebrews taught through narratives. As mentioned earlier, biblical narratives were often arranged by theme instead of chronology because they were not interested in merely recording history for the sake of record-keeping. There was always a rhetorical purpose to what they wrote. In other words, they were interested in teaching future generations about God based on the past. When reading biblical narratives— we are not normally intended to stop and unpack every sentence, let alone individual word. You're meant to read large chunks of text to get the whole story and then reflect on what is being demonstrated by what happened. There may be good or bad examples to follow, explanations for the way things are today, or often stories that are meant to add up as examples to prove the overall theme of the book. So it takes some thought and sometimes extra study to unpack them all. It's important to remember that Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, doesn't always just make straightforward statements of universal truths. Oftentimes, it prefers to illustrate those truths through narratives where we can see those truths displayed in real time, so they impact our understanding of how life works, instead of merely being head knowledge that may or may not reach our hearts. It may seem difficult to try to determine the message of every story we read in the Bible, but we can always look at them in light of the purpose of all Scripture, to reveal God to us. If we're ever not sure what to do with a historical narrative in Scripture, we can ask ourselves, what does this teach me about God? Followed by, what should I do in light of what this says about God? Those are always great places to start that will disciple us one way or another in every case. 
I hope this has helped you to feel like you have a better grasp on how to read the historical books of the Bible and really any other part of Scripture in narrative form. Some of the most profound truths in the Bible can't be summed up in one or two easy-to-memorize verses. They need to be worked out across an entire story. I pray this encourages you to dig into these portions of God's Word and come away with a more complete picture of who He is and His will for us. We will have one more lesson in this mini-series before we will have covered all the parts of the Bible, so I hope you can listen in to the next episode of Touchpoints. Have a great week in the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. Thank you.